Good morning, everyone. Welcome from me this morning. It's really great to be here all together. Let's just take a moment um, and just commit this time of listening, which is just a much, as much a time of worship as, as singing is, um, to God. Lord, we, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for how you speak to us, Lord. And that really is my prayer this morning that you would speak. God, won't you prepare our hearts? Would you open our ears to listen for your voice, which often is a, is a small, still, gentle voice? Holy Spirit, won't you speak to us and minister to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to imagine that you walk into work on a Wednesday morning. It's an average Wednesday morning. But you are told at the morning meeting that you, along with another 299 people, are being retrenched. Or you go for your annual checkup at the doctor. And after that small talk, your doctor's face changes and he tells you, that you have cancer. Or imagine you wake up one morning after it's been raining heavily for days and days and you see that your retaining wall has fallen down. And so you call the contractor over to have a look at it and he tells you that actually the foundation of your house has been compromised and hands you a bill. Imagine you get home from work and your spouse is sitting in the car in the driveway. And as you go to greet them, they say to you that they need to talk and that they are having an affair. Can you manage your world? Can you actually manage your world? I imagine in every one of those examples, your whole world would crumble in that moment with that one sentence that was uttered, your whole world would crumble. So can you actually manage your world? We're starting a series today that's called Manage Your World. So the question I wanna ask this morning is, can you actually manage your world? And I think the answer is yes and no. There are moments where even our highly planned, intensively strategized, minutely organized, exceptionally managed worlds can crumble beneath our feet, right in front of our eyes. We realize that in fact we, we can't manage our worlds in those moments. Well then you've chosen a really bad title for a series, guys. Well, no, we haven't, because it is hugely important to manage your worlds. We're talking about your life here. And we, you know, to take charge and to manage the awesomeness right into your life, that's what we're hoping. But there is an integral underlying truth that if we own it, will change us forever. And here's the thing. We are to manage our world because we are the managers but God is the owner. We are the managers of our lives, but God is the owner. And because of that, he cares intimately about the quality of our lives. 
He cares possibly more than we may realize about our lives, about the ins and outs, the big things and the small things, about the successes, the failures. He wants us to live lives that are full and meaningful. In John 10, 10, Jesus tells us that he has come to bring us life in all of its abundance. That's what God, the owner of our lives, has planned for us. And he also wants us to live lives that show the world how awesome he is. Like an owner of a company wants the company to flourish. Also so that it'll show what a good owner he is. He's the owner. We are the managers. And so the only way to do this is to manage our worlds his way. To manage our worlds his way, we can try and do it our way, and we may even succeed, but when something hits us, we'll crumble. Or, here's the clincher, even if nothing ever hits us, if we manage our worlds our way, we're settling for second best. We're settling for less than the best, less than what God has planned for us. John 14 verse 27, I want to read to you this morning, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I do not give as the world gives. I think that is the less than the best option. But my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This word peace in this passage is the word shalom. It's a greeting in Israel, so modern day kind of people think it means hi and bye, um, but it's actually speaking a blessing over people. So you speak, when you're greeting someone, you're speaking a blessing of God's fullness or God's peace over them. It's normally um, translated as peace, which is awesome. I mean, who couldn't do with a little bit of peace in our lives, right? But actually it's translated as more as that often as peace and prosperity. So Shalom speaks to peace and prosperity, but this word shalom is so hard to translate. The full meaning can actually change your lives. I was looking at a lot of the songs that we were singing this morning, and almost every word in there is shalom. Shalom. Jesus is shalom. Jesus is shalom. It, it, the Strong's Concordance translate the, translates the word shalom as this. I'll read it to you. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. If you picture a wall that has been built and it has no gaps in it, no cracks in it at all, there's no missing bricks. If you picture something that's incredibly complex with lots of different pieces, but they are all in perfect position. Nothing is out of alignment. Nothing needs restoration. That's shalom. Shalom comes from the root verb shalom, which means to complete or to restore or to perfect. And so wholeness, completeness, Jesus here is speaking about a restoration back to wholeness. In John 14, Jesus is addressing his disciples as he's heading to the cross, as he's about to leave them, and he's saying to you, you know what I'm going to leave with you? I'm going to leave with you peace. I'm going to leave with you shalom. I'm going to leave with you restoration back to wholeness. 
That's what I leave with you. Restoration back to wholeness, that's what I give to you. And note that word give. Give, I give it. It's free, you don't have to earn it. It's not how the world gives. I give it to you freely. You just have to receive it. Let me give you a bit of a backstory here. You may be quite familiar with this backstory or maybe you've never heard it before. In the beginning, shalom was how God created the world, wholeness and completeness. The Garden of Eden, there was peace and tranquility, rest, health and harmony in every sense, in every relationship in the relationship between Adam and Eve, in the relationship between them and God, in the relationship between them and the garden, everything was whole, everything was complete, in every sense and on every level. And God was the authority. But sin, The evil one attempted to usurp that authority and he made us believe that we had the authority and the world changed. Now shalom was not destroyed, but humankind had to leave shalom. They left the garden and they started to manage their worlds their own way until Jesus Jesus came into the world to restore it, to bring his kingdom back to the earth, to bring the kingdom of shalom back to the world. And why could Jesus reestablish the kingdom of shalom? Well, because he's the prince of shalom. We usually use the phrase the prince of peace. He is the prince of shalom. When Jesus was born, the angels even said, peace on earth. You know why? Because peace came to earth. Jesus came to earth. Shalom came to earth and he would bring peace. He would bring shalom with no end and he would right all wrongs and he would heal all that had ever been broken. And if we fast forward a little bit through Jesus' life, we get to John chapter 14 where he says, my peace I give to you restoration back to wholeness. This is the whole reason why I came. And I'm heading to the cross and then I'm going back to be with my father. But what I leave here is restoration unto wholeness. And I give it. And I give it freely. You just need to receive it. Jesus came to make peace and that's exactly what he did. He restored to wholeness the broken relationship between God and mankind. And if we look even at the Hebrew Hebrew word shalom, if you remember, um, Hebrew is a pictographic language. And I just think this is really cool, so I wanted to show this to you. The word shalom is made up of four different pictures. And you'll see them there, Hebrew, you read from right to left. And so we're gonna be looking from right to left. On the right um, is, is the letter shin. And it looks like flames. So it speaks about something being consumed. Next to that is the letter lamed which is a shepherd's staff. Looks a little bit different there. A shepherd's staff, which speaks about the authority 
that the shepherd has. Next is vav, which is a nail or a hook, which means it's something's connected to something or something connected with something. And then the last one is mem. If you were here just before Christmas, we spoke quite a lot about mem, which is water, and it speaks about life. And so even if you look at the very word shalom, when we surrendered to or consumed by the authority of God, he connects us to real life. In what I've been saying today in the, in the language of our series, if we manage our world his way, that's the only way that we can experience true life, the only way that we can experience shalom. Jesus doesn't just speak about shalom. He doesn't only even offer it freely. He is shalom. And he offers us himself. I can have wholeness. I can be restored back to wholeness. My world can be restored back to wholeness through him. I want to share with you just three things about shalom with you this morning. Firstly, I want to say that shalom is incredibly valuable. And my husband and I like to watch those programs about those house flippers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, those people who take these broken down, bust up, horrid houses, and then they restore them to these fancy pants houses, um, and it's very cool to watch that restoration. And then they normally make a whole lot of money in the process. Um, but anyway, I was reading about this woman who was married to a house flipper, and she was saying how um, in order to save money, they actually lived in a lot of the different houses, either while they were being renovated, after they had been renovated, sometimes even before they had been renovated, because obviously they're buying a whole lot of houses. And, and she said this, she said, you know what? I've lived in simple homes and luxury homes. And this is what I've learned. When you close your eyes at night to go to sleep, they are all exactly the same. What's her point? Well, we place value, we place emphasis on a lot of external things in our society. And what she's saying is perhaps they're not all that important. What actually is important are things like the state of our minds, our emotions, our souls, because how we think and what we believe and all those things, those are the things that are going to determine how we feel when we close our eyes at night. They will determine how we deal with successes. They will determine how we deal with those complete crumbling moments in our life. Proverbs 17 verse 1 says, better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. I think he's saying here, place emphasis on the right things, which may mean a shift for some of us. Place emphasis on the truly valuable things. Attaining the shalom that Jesus offers us is more important and beneficial than, any, than anything else that we could ever attain. Shalom is incredibly valuable. Secondly, shalom is constant. There was an art gallery that ran this competition. <clears throat> the competition, the brief that they gave, was that these artists had to paint the concept of peace. 
So you can imagine some of the submissions that came in were incredibly beautiful. I probably would like to fill my house with lots of those paintings. There was a sun setting over these beautiful, tranquil waters on a pristine beach. There was a placid lake that was surrounded by these rolling green hills and these lush pastures. There was a painting of, of freshly fallen snow in the mountains and then a small little lob, log ca cabin, a light with the glow of a small fire. You can imagine these paintings so beautiful. But none of those paintings won the competition. It was rather a painting that depicted a storm with lightning flashing and winds wildly blowing. The trees on this rocky cliff, you could see this, the winds were like almost blowing them over. But if you looked close at the painting, you would see why this won the competition. In the cleft of the rocks was a mother eagle, her wings spread out over her sleeping chicks. Very essence of peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus in the midst of trouble. Shalom is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of Jesus in the midst of trouble. John 16, I have told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. In me you may have shalom. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of Jesus in the midst of trouble. Yesterday, a really silly example, but I was driving home from the shops and I've had quite a stressful week. And, um, and you know when you put your grocery bag on the front seat, right? And as I went over the speed bump just up here, the whole grocery bag just fell on the floor. You know, like to the point where the grapes like spill and they're just, just everywhere. And I actually found myself saying out loud, yeah, this is exactly what I need right now. <laughs> and then I, I kind of fast forwarded in my mind to today. And I said out loud, I am not experiencing shalom right now. I'm not experiencing shalom right now. And I felt this little voice say, I'm here. I'm here. And in that moment, the grapes were still on the floor. But it was a whole different car trip. See, peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of Jesus in the midst of trouble. And he's called us to live in the kingdom of shalom that exists in the rest of this world to live under the authority of the Prince of Shalom. This kingdom is not a utopia that's absent of trial or pain, but he is with you. Shalom doesn't change because of circumstances, it's the same because Jesus is the same. And that truth allows us to rest under his wings even in the worst storm. The third thing I wanna share with you this morning about shalom is that it's available. It's available. It's valuable, it's constant, and it's also available 
Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a very well-known verse in scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know what word is translated there? That I know the plans I have for you, plans to shalom you. The plans that God has for us are plans for shalom. It's available. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. It is available, it is accessible, and it's free. So how do we get this shalom? Well, I wanna suggest two things this morning. I think that we have to ask and we have to practice. So what I mean by ask is ask. We have to come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and we have to ask him for his shalom. What I mean by practice, I mean practice living in that state. Practice living with shalom himself. Practice inviting him into every part of your life. Grocery shopping, when it falls down, and when you pick it up again. Every part of your life. Submitting to his authority, practice that. We've got to practice submitting to his authority as the owner of our lives. We have to practice managing our world his way. So ask and practice. As John mentioned earlier, we want to provide an opportunity for us to practice. And the idea of these workshops that we're running over the next three Wednesdays is really this, to choose one area of your life and to say, I wanna ask God for shalom in this area. And I'm gonna be intentional about practicing living that out as I manage my world in this area, His way. So you can arrive, as John mentioned, we're gonna, we're gonna get you at 6.30. There's gonna be a connection time, which will be really, really important. We're gonna start at 7. We'll have a bit of time together and then we're gonna split off into those workshops. Maybe you believe that God wants to bring shalom into your marriage. Maybe it's into your finances. Maybe it's into the way you use your time. Maybe it's into just a general health. We've got a speaker who'll be speaking on, on, on body, mind, soul, and spirit in terms of that sort of thing. Choose one area to say, God, I'm managing this area this year. And I'm gonna invite you in and manage it your way. You're all invited. To correct John, you don't have to sign up. You just have to pitch 6.30 for the next three Wednesdays. And we hope we'll see you there. You know, the Reformed churches have this awesome tradition called passing the peace. Uh, some of you might never have been to a, a different kind of church. And essentially, there's this part in the service where you all stand up and you walk around to different people and you say, peace be with you. And the response is, and also with you. And it's an idea of sharing this shalom, this peace with the people around you. I have a friend who went to the Catholic church actually across the road. And it was the first time she had ever been there. And so she kind of got up when everyone got up and didn't really know what was going on. And someone came to her and said, peace be with you. And she went, Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. <laughs> Completely missed the point. <laughs> but sharing the peace of Christ with, with, with one another. And I wanna challenge us this week. Who can you share shalom with this week? 
Just as shalom is freely available to us, who can we share it with this week? God has called us to receive the shalom, but also to be peacemakers, to be peace sharers. How could you do that this week? Perhaps ask God to lay somebody on your heart that maybe this is the person that I can share peace with this week. Perhaps it's somebody you even want to invite to bring with you to these workshops to say like, actually, somebody, I've been chatting with them a lot about finances. Maybe we can come together and, um, and that's a way that I could share with them this, them this week. Or perhaps as we wrap up this morning, you are sitting here this, this morning and, and you can't even think about sharing peace with anybody else. You just feel like you need shalom. You, in all of your soul, might be crying out, I am not experiencing shalom right now. And we wanna give you an opportunity right now to ask, to ask the Prince of Shalom for his peace in your life. To take a moment right now to rest under the shelter of his wings in the midst of the crazy storm that is your life this morning. And so we're gonna take a moment to pray and I'm gonna ask you to do something that may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but I'm gonna ask you to do it anyway. I'm gonna read through in a little while different categories of where people here this morning might be. And if that is you, I'm gonna ask you to stand just where you are. And if you feel comfortable even just to hold your hands out and receive the blessing, receive God's shalom into your life this morning. And so we're gonna take a moment to pray. We're not gonna rush this. Prince of Peace, Jesus, Shalom. We are so grateful that you are here this morning. Not only here in this church, but that you abide with us wherever we are. That when we leave here, you go with us into whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And so this morning, if you're anxious, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And I wanna say, Shalom be with you. If you're fearful, peace be with you. If you're lonely, Jesus, be with you. If you're empty, Shalom, be with you. If you're plagued with regret or guilt, peace, be with you. If you're full of sorrow, Jesus, be with you. If you feel desperate this morning, Shalom, be with you. 
you feel hopeless, peace be with you. If you feel rejected, Jesus be with you. In your heartache this morning, may Shalom be with you. In your worry this morning, may peace be with you. In your anguish this morning, may Jesus be with you. And know this, He is with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of anything. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. Thank you for that promise. And God, I wanna pray over those who are standing and over those who are sitting, you know our lives. You know them intimately. You are the owner of our lives. And God, we pray for calm within the storm. We pray for guidance where we are confused. We pray, Lord, that as we attempt to manage this complicated thing called life, that you would show us how to manage it your way and that we would walk and live in the kingdom of Shalom with the Prince of Shalom. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are gonna officially end the service right here, but we have got a whole bunch of people who would love to pray for you. So if you would like prayer, it can be because of something that's hectic. It can be just because you're saying in whatever area of your life, you want to ask God for shalom this morning. And so we wanna open this front area. If you want, you can sit where you are and just experience a little bit of quietness. Um, if you want prayer, won't you come to the front and just sit in one of these front seats and someone would love to pray with you. But God bless. Have an awesome, awesome week and shalom.